0: Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Jesus says as part of his Sermon on the Mount, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Heaven, let's pray together, Dear Heavenly Father. We do thank you for the fact that you are great. Thank you that when we look at the world that you have created, that you spoke into existence, it causes us to say how great you are. And Father, when we look at the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the price that he paid in order for us to have eternal life. It causes us to say how great you are. And Father, when we also think about the fact that one day in the future that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again for us, and that we will be forever in his presence and in your presence, we testify and we sing and we say, You indeed are truly great. And Father, we cry out to you, our great God, and ask that you would use the preaching and teaching of your word to bring about the necessary changes in our lives. Use your word to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Use your word to help us to be who you've called us to be in this world. So we would ask that you would have your own way, that you might. Bring glory and honor to yourself. Thank you for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. By God's grace, he has allowed us to establish certain good traditions at Fairview. It is our habit on the first Sunday of every month to observe uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, We seek to have a joint service with sister churches on Good Friday. We've made it a practice also to rise early on Resurrection Sunday and have a sunrise service at 6 a.m. followed by breakfast. We also try to have a New Year's Eve service every year. In fact, we just had one, and we prayed in the new year at 12 midnight. I think these are some good traditions that we have established here at Fairview. There are times in our worship service that we kind of set aside the regular preaching of God's Word as far as a series is concerned and recognize special days in our calendar. So instead of continuing on preaching through a book of the Bible, we will focus in on Mother's Day, Father's Day, Resurrection Sunday, and Christmas Sunday. We use those times to look at the Word of God and see what it has to say to men and to women and to us about special event uh, in the life of the church. I also have a tradition here that on the first Sunday of the new year, I like to provide you with a New Year's sermon. Uh, I set aside preaching uh, through a series so that we can zero in on something that will help us as it relates to the brand new year. Next Sunday, we're going to start a new preaching series on 1 John. So if you want to, you can start reading through 1 John. There's only five chapters. It won't take you very long. But we hope that God will speak to the life of our church through that short epistle. But on the first Sunday of a new year, It's really a time to be grateful and thankful for what God has brought us through. And He has brought us through many trials and tribulations. And we have seen the benefits of God uh, throughout 2021. But the question is, how are we to live the rest of the year? Does the Word of God give us any guidance, any instructions, on what we should do as the people of God. We ended the year by looking at the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. That portion of what many believe is Jesus' greatest sermon. The Beatitudes are filled with those statements of Jesus where he begins each verse by saying, Blessed are. And so we examined those Beatitudes. We looked at those Beatitudes in detail. But yet, the Beatitudes are not the whole essence of Jesus' sermon. The reality is, Jesus doesn't finish preaching until we get to Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. And so we're not trying to finish the Sermon on the Mount, but I thought it would be good for us on this Lord's Day, this first Sunday of 2022, to consider the familiar passage, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Some of you are familiar with Jesus' words. You've heard Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth. You've heard Jesus say, you are the light of the world. But I want to look at these words again, and also I want us to look at the associated words with the goal, that it provides us with guidance and direction on how we can live our lives in 2022. These verses really do provide us With a lamp to our feet and a light to our path with regards to our relationship to those that we encounter on a regular basis. It tells us how to live in the world today. And so as we consider these verses, I want us to do so from the subject, how to be a blessing in 2022. And in particular, I want us to realize that we do have a relationship with the world that we live in. We are expected to have interactions with the people around us, whether they're Christians or not Christians. And so how can I impact those around me? How can I influence people around me? Jesus tells his disciples, and he tells us how we as followers of Jesus can make a difference in the world. How we can live in the world that we find ourselves. Last Sunday you heard about Christians being persecuted. And that's one way that the world responds to Christians, to followers of Jesus. But Today, we want to realize that even though Christians might experience the buffeting of the world, we are to be a blessing to the world. We are to be an influence to the world. We are to impact the world in which we live. And so we as we look at these verses, I want us to see that there are two ways. That we can be a blessing in the new year. And I hope that it won't just be for a few days, but you will keep these two ways before you throughout the year. And the first way that we can be a blessing in 2022 is to be the salt of the earth. To be the salt of the earth. You want to make a difference if you want to have an impact, if you want to be influential, if you want to have a spiritual bearing on those who are around you, it will only happen if you are the salt of the earth. And that's the implication of what Jesus says in verse 13. Please keep in mind that salt is who you are. I don't know how you picture yourself, but Jesus pictures his followers as salt. Salt is who you are. Jesus says to his audience, and particularly to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. It's as if he takes his finger and points at his men and his followers, and says, you, you, you. And as he uses that word you, he goes back to verse 11 of the Beatitudes. When he says in verse 11, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, Falsely on account of me. So the you of this verse goes back to the you of verse 11, and it goes back even further to the blessed of the Beatitudes. The you are the poor in spirit, the you are those who mourn, the gentle, those who seek and thirst, and hunger after righteousness. The you are the merciful, the the the, the pure in heart, the, the peacemaker. The, the you are those who are persecuted. And he says to the you, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus doesn't say you were. He doesn't say you will be. He doesn't say you must be. He says you are to his disciples you in your present situation as my followers you are right now the salt of the earth obviously he's not speaking literally he's not speaking and saying that they are grains of salt that you find in the salt shaker he's speaking figuratively And he's using a picture, a word picture, a figure that was well known to anyone in Jesus' day. In fact, it was well known throughout the Word of God. Everyone knew about salt. When you hear the word salt, it doesn't shock you. It doesn't shake you. It's something that all of us know of. And biblically, all throughout the Bible, salt is referred to. One commentator has said that salt is used in 11 different ways. Well, I'm not going to present those 11 different ways, but I do want you to know that when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, that I believe there's a couple of thoughts that definitely came to the minds of those who heard Jesus' word. I believe that when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, that what came to their mind was that salt is a preservative. It prevents decay. It prevents corruption. And one of the ways that we see that is, in a day where there were no refrigerators, they would preserve meat by rubbing salt into it. But I have to believe that when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, that what came to their mind was salt as a preservative, but also probably what came to their mind is salt as seasoning. The the cooks in Fairview, they know about salt as seasoning. And we know, whether we realize it or not, that almost everything that we eat, Has salt in it. We thought we were going to have some people over after the New Year's Eve service, but in light of what was going on, we didn't. But my wife had bought some barbecue potato chips. I I love those things. She will not buy those unless special guests are coming. But the salt in those barbecue potato chips just had me going back and back and back. And some of us, to the detriment of our health, we love salt. The doctor tells us, no salt. Your blood pressure is way too high. But because salt seasons, adds flavor, sometimes it's hard for us to stay away from it. So when Jesus says to his disciples, to his audience, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying you have a relationship with the earth, not the dirt, not the mud, not the ground, but, but the earth that is made up of people who fill the earth and who live upon the earth. And Jesus says your relationship, disciples, your relationship, followers of me, to the people of the world is that you are to function as salt. You are salt. You're the salt of the earth. You are that which preserves. and You are that which seasons and causes people to have a taste for the things of God. Salt is who you are. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, If you're a follower of Christ, you are salt. And just like salt was a blessing and a benefit to the people in Jesus' day, you are to be a blessing and a benefit to the people in the world around you. Salt is who you are. But also keep in mind, that salt is what you must be. That is, salt has to function as salt. Jesus raises the possibility that salt can become tasteless, that salt can lose its function. Now, scripturally, that's what Jesus is saying, but technically, Salt never, ever loses its quality and its character. But the salt in Jesus' day was often mixed with impurities. And those impurities had the ability to overwhelm the character of the salt so that the salt lost its saltiness. And Jesus, in the last part of verse 13, raises the possibility that salt can become worthless. He raises that possibility. It's like he's saying to his disciple, Yes, you are the salt of the earth, but slow down your roll and hear what I have to say to you. And so he says, But even though you are the salt of the earth, understand that salt can become worthless. And so he presents that possibility to us first by means of a question. He says in that same verse, verse 13, if salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? The salt of Jesus' day had the ability to become tasteless, to to lose its saltiness because of the impurities that was connected with it. And and Jesus says, if that happens, how can it be made salty again? And, And the reality is, you can't make it salty again. There's nothing that you could do to help that salt regain its taste. And so after raising that question Jesus makes a proclamation he makes a pronouncement he says if salt loses its taste it is good for nothing if if, if salt doesn't prevent and hinder decay and corruption if salt doesn't season What is it good for? Jesus says it's good for nothing. It's worthless. It's useless. You might as well not even have it. He says there is an exception. There is an exception to this idea that salt is useless and worthless. He said there is something that salt is good for, but but, but note what it's good for. It's good to be thrown out. That's what it's good for. Take it out of the kitchen, put it in the trash can. It's of no value. He says there's something else it's good for. It's good to be trampled under. That is trampled on for people to step on it. That's what it's good for. But otherwise, salt is useless and salt is worthless. Followers of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is who you are. And salt is what you must be. You must function in light of who you are. Your being must reflect behavior. Your character must reflect itself in conduct. Jesus said, you are. And in light of who you are, you must function in harmony with who you are. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, are you a blessing and the benefit to the world of people around you? Are you a one who prevents sin because of your presence? Do people have any problem at all sinny in your presence? Or do they say, well, so-and-so's here, but we better go somewhere else or go outside or wait until so-and-so leaves? Do you prevent decay and corruption that so much characterizes the world? Because of who you are, the salt of the earth, when you are present, does that slow sin down? Does that hinder sin from being rampant? That's part of our responsibility as a salt of the earth. And not only that, is it because of you that people are attracted to The Lord Jesus Christ. They're attracted to God. They're attracted to the things of God. Are you just someone that turns people off to Jesus? I realize that not everyone is going to respond to the salt. Remember what Jesus said earlier in the last beatitude. He talked about being persecuted. There will be people of the world who will persecute Christians. They will not respond in a positive way. But Jesus is holding out this idea that we can influence the world, that we can be have an impact on those around us if we function as salt. Now, if our salt is tasteless, If we are worthless, then obviously God cannot use us to make a difference in the world around us. But if you want to know how to live and how to be a blessing in 2022, then be the salt of the earth. The second way that you can be a blessing in 2022, that I can be a blessing in 2022, is to be the light of the world. To be the light of the world. Jesus switches his imagery from salt to light. Just like everyone knew about salt and how it functioned, what it did, everyone knows about light, and that's still true today. And Jesus' words are very similar in some ways to what he said about salt. And so when it comes to being the light of the world, please note in the opening words of verse 14 that light is who you are. Just like salt is who you are. And again, I'm talking to those who have repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ and who are followers of Jesus. Jesus is not saying this to everyone in the world. Jesus understands there is a distinction between those that he is calling salt and those who is calling light and those who are in the world. And so he says pointedly, directly, that you are the light of the world. That is who you are. That's how Jesus pictures his followers. That's the character, the nature of his followers. They are the light of the world. And again, I'll say the same thing that I said in verse 13. Jesus did not say you were the light. He doesn't say you will be the light. He doesn't say you must be the light. He said you are. Followers of Jesus are the light of the world. When Jesus makes this declaration, this proclamation, it implies that we live in a world of darkness. That, That we live among people whose lives are filled with sin. We should never, ever be amazed by the sin that is going on in the world. Sometimes we expect the world, everyone in it, to to, to reflect God. Hogwash, according to Scripture. We should not be surprised at same-sex marriage. We should not be surprised at abortion. We should not be surprised at social injustice. That's the world that we live in. And the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, paints the picture that the world that we live in is a fallen world. It is a dark world. Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, in Philippians 2.15, he he said to that church that, that you live in a generation that is wicked and perverse, crooked. Paul says, don't have your head buried in the sand. Paul, when he writes to his spiritual son Timothy, talks about the dangerous times that are coming and that are here, where men are lovers of self and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God where they're hateful, et cetera. So when we look at our world, our world is a world filled with darkness. And we have a responsibility to the world. And our responsibility is that we are the light in relationship to the world. Jesus lets us know that light is designed to shine. You don't need a PhD to understand that. Everybody knows that when light doesn't shine, something is wrong. Little kids can figure that out. My granddaughter, when she has a flashlight in her hand and the light doesn't come on, she knows something is wrong. Light is designed to shine. And Jesus wants to make sure that we get that. And so what does he do? He gives a couple illustrations. The first illustration is in the last part of verse 14. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Isn't that true? Uh, Even in our day, we know that's true. Uh, We ride around in certain parts of the city and we see some people's homes up there on the hill. No, they just stand out. And they really stand out at nighttime because they got their lights on. And so Jesus says, A city set on a hill, you can't hide it. If you want to hide your house, if you want to hide where you live, then don't be living on a hill. We we see homes on the hillside and they become obvious to our eyes. But those homes that are buried. On that heel in the back, we don't see. And Then Jesus goes on and points out through the illustration of a lit lamp in verse 15. He says, Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure. Peck measure was just a so bowl, a jar used to measure grain. And Jesus said, men don't light a lamp. These lamps had like a wick that you have in candles. They were portable. You you would light the wick and it would be lit. And then they would put it on a stand. Wouldn't put it under the bed. Wouldn't put a bowl over it or a jar over it. No, a, a lit lamp you put on a stand. That's what you do with it. And the reason you put it on the stand is because you wanted to provide light to those in the household. They didn't have multi-rooms, multiple rooms in the house like we do today. Typically, they're just one-room homes. And so when the lamp was lit and put on the stand, it provided light to everyone in the the house. Light is designed to shine. It's not designed to be hidden or concealed or put in a location where no one can see it at all. So Jesus is saying light is who you are. Light is designed to shine. But he concludes by saying, light is what you must be. If you are going to be the light of the world, light is what you must be. That is, you must function in harmony with who you are. Just like you expect for the lit lamp. Just like you expect for the city on a hill. And so he says those well-known words in verse 16. He gives a command. Let your light shine before men in such a way in such a way that they, men, may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Here's the command. Let Your light shine. He says to the disciples, you have light. It's not light that they were born with naturally. It's light because they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us as Christians today, we're not born naturally with light. We're darkness. We're sons of darkness. But when we repent of our sins and put our faith in Christ alone for salvation, we receive light from God so that we can be called the sons of light. Jesus says, let your light, you're my followers. You have committed yourself to me. You have light. It's derived from me, Jesus says. The one who is the light of the world. But we have the blessed privilege of receiving light from him. And we must let our light, what? Shine. Continually. Not just for a moment. Not flicker for a second. But we must let our lights continually shine. And Jesus goes on to say, we must let our lights continually shine in such a way. And what he's doing is, just like the city set on a hill can not be hidden, let your light shine. Just like a lit lamp is not placed under a peck measure, but instead is put on the stand and it shines and gives light. Let your light shine in that manner and in that way. Let your light shine. It must shine before men. The light that I have from Jesus is not for my personal benefit. It's not for me to keep to myself and to to make it a part of my own life, independent of anybody else. As light of the world, you have to let your light shine before men. And women and boys and girls. And the context would say primarily before those who are not followers of Jesus. That's where the light needs to shine. I'm not saying it's not needed before believers, but the primary shining of the light, it must shine before those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Those who are on the road to an eternity apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. It must shine before men. That's who it is to benefit. That's who it is to bless. And it must shine that men may see your good works. And that really tells us what it means to let my light shine. It means that I'm doing good works, and and, and Jesus said the purpose of letting your light shine is that men can see your good works. Men can see the works that flow from the salvation that God has worked in you. That men can see you bearing fruit in obedience to the Word of God. Let your light shine before men so that these men can see with their very eyes. Just like you see a city on a hill. Just like you receive light from a lit lamp on a stand. Men and women and boys and girls ought to be able to see our good works. Our good works. Not that we're doing them so that they might be impressed with us. But it's a product of our character. Our character manifests itself in good works. As Jesus says, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And it will become clear what kind of fruit you are producing in your life. Jesus says that men may must see your your good works, that they may see it. That's our obligation. So, so if we just huddle up, and that's all we, it, that there is to our Christianity, if it's just us coming. To worship service, to Bible study, and that's it. And and I'm not saying those things aren't important. They are important. They're vital. But that's not the whole story. If I'm going to be a blessing to others, yes, I need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Yes, I need the Word of God to edify me and build me up. But but that's all with the goals that, that I can let my light shine that my good works can be seen That's my obligation to the world of unbelievers The light must shine in order that men may glorify Our God who is in heaven. Interesting words that Jesus adds. He says, yes, men need to see your good works. But when they see your good works, they're not going to pat you on the back. They're not going to say how wonderful you are. They're going to give the glory where their glory is due. And that is to our God who is in heaven. Because Christians realize that anything that we do that is good and beautiful is a result of God being at work in us. And so when we do good deeds, why are you getting upset? Because you're not being recognized. Why are you getting upset? Because people are not treating you in a certain way. What we should be looking for Our goal, our our motivation in the good deeds that we do is that God will be exalted, that God will be magnified, that God will be glorified. And what's amazing here, and Jesus just kind of slips it in, he says to the disciples glorify your father. Your father. Don't glorify quote your god. No, God is your father. You have a personal relationship with him. And even though you're on earth, he is in heaven. And he's to get the glory. He's to get the glory. So there's a tremendous need today for us to obey the command in verse 16 to let our light shine. There's a tremendous need for this. We need to let our light shine in our home. As a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child, we need to let our good deeds Shine. And the good deeds that we are due to do are given to us in the Word of God. We need to let our light shine at our schools. Christians, take your children out of public school. Homeschool them. Let, let, them, let their light shine that way. The last thing some people tell us is to let Christians, parents, send their kids to public school. Oh, I know the influence of pagans. But Jesus says, maybe God wants your children's light to shine. Where in the world? Well, that's a foreign concept. And you must make the best decision for your children's education, but don't forget that, that Jesus calls us to, to let our lights shine in our homes, in our schools, in our community. Are, are we just a light in our neighborhood that is hidden under a peck measure, under a bowl? Or are we letting our light shine? Do people know that we love Jesus Christ? Do they know that when it's Sunday morning, I'm getting out of my house, I'm going to church because I love Jesus and I believe that he's called me to worship him in spirit and truth. Do people know that when I'm in the community, that I'm a follower of him? Am I letting my light shine? We need to let our light shine even in church. People need to see our good deeds even in church so that the saints can be encouraged to go forward with glorifying God and serving him. Let your light shine, Jesus says. The songwriter said it well when he wrote the song, this little light of mine. And some of you know the words of that African-American spiritual. You grew up on it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light, it's not a huge light, but, but it's a light. And, and this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Shine, shine, shine. And you know how we can get creative, right, Brother Neil? Now we can start adding those phrases to the song. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Go, let it shine. Let it shine let it shine, let it shine. All in my house. All in my house, I'm going to let it shine. So my, my mate might not be saved, my, my kids might not be saved, but, but in my house, I'm going to let it shine. All in my house. Oh, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let this little light of mine shine. And if that's not enough, out in the dark. Out in the dark, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to get outside of the church wall. I'm going to get outside of my house. And when I'm in the world, I'm going to let it shine. And if that's not enough, it says shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Our role, our responsibility in 2022 is not to isolate. It's not to integrate. But it is to influence and impact the world in which we live. And how do we do this? We do this by being the salt of the earth. Salt is what you are. And salt is what you must be. We do this by being the light of the world. And light is what you are. And light is designed to shine. And light is what you must be. So may God help us throughout the year to let our little light shine. May he help us to be the salt of the earth in the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the guidance and direction that your word does over and over again, how it guides us and directs us. Thank you for allowing it to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path as we have entered into a new year. Help us, Lord, to be a blessing in 2022. And in particular, Lord, use us to make an impact, to influence the world of people that are around us. Help us to be mindful that we are salt, that we are light, but we must function as salt and function as light. Give us the courage to rely upon the Spirit of God, to let our light shine in such a way before men that they may see our good works and give glory and honor and majesty to you. Use us in 2022 to be instruments in your hands so that people will recognize in real life that you are God and that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer. We ask that you might do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen.